0: Now here in John chapter 14, as we've been going through this chapter and we're going to be ending this first leg of this series as we go through this final discourse, this, or this upper room discourse of Jesus, and we're finding here in chapter 14, there's a lot of uncertainty going on here, right? There's a lot of tension that we find in this chapter, And to be honest, it's definitely relevant for all of us here today because there's this phrase that keeps popping up within this discourse. And it's this phrase of, don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus is prepping them for the trouble that's about to come their way. But this phrase is still super relevant for us here today because we experience trouble It's a different type of trouble than what the disciples might have been experiencing, but we still experience this trouble in this world. Now, it's not easy to be at peace, right? When there are just so many different things that continue to be looming, these looming question marks that we might have in our world. I remember seeing a picture a few years ago um, during... The COVID years, <laughs> and it was this picture about a fictitious product that that people were advertising. Now, you might be familiar with NyQuil, right? I'm sure we're all familiar with NyQuil, what it is, what it does, right? If you take it at night, so you can have some peace and some rest, and be able to to have a, a, a hopeful. Uh, a restful night's sleep without, you know, runny nose and coughing and all that other stuff that would keep you up. Well, I saw this new product, and instead of NyQuil, they were advertising this product, and it was called YearQuil. And you might be thinking, well, what would YearQuil be for? I get what NyQuil is for, but what's What's year quill for, right? Well, it's this idea. The advertisement really was you take one dose and you wake up in 2024. It sounds pretty tempting, doesn't it? Night quill, you know, we take it and it allows us to sleep and we wake up the next morning. You take year quill, you take it right now, take one dose, and you wake up in 2024. And I think at times, depending on what we're experiencing, it sounds super tempting, right? Like, man, if I could have something like that, that can allow me to go to sleep, and I wake up, and I wake up next year, sign me up, right? And at times, we look for those types of solutions, right? Like, we look for that quick fix, don't we? For, and for a for variety of reasons, we like to think, how, how can we put this year behind us? and just move on. Maybe some of you are feeling that, or have felt that. But in this series, we've been asking this question, what does God want us to learn through all of this? Like, What does God want us to learn through this discourse and this amazing, intimate, personal conversation he's having with his disciples that can apply to us and our life here today. Like, what can we learn through all the trouble, the fog that we experience in our life? Last week, we unpacked what it means to love God and how Jesus measures our love to him. Jesus talked about one way that we can express our love to him, and that's by keeping his commands, right? It's by keeping his commands, not just by obeying them, but it's by keeping them. It's it's protecting them. It's backing them, backing up his words with your life. It was this call for many of us of, we just need to start to grow up. And I think many of us have Settled. We've settled for our safe definition of what it looks like to love Jesus. And probably for many of us, if we put Jesus' definition alongside our definition of love, of what it looks like, what it means to love him, many of our definitions probably would have looked very different than what Jesus is calling us to. And there was this call last week of just needing to grow up, needing to dive into God's word, allowing him into all areas of our life. That's what it looks like. That's what it means to keep his commands by backing up his words that we read about in God's word and backing that up with the way we live And now here we are, near the end of John 14, in this intimate setting of the Passover meal. And Jesus is moving from one fruit of the Spirit to another. He's moving from what we looked at last week of love to now peace. And it certainly, I believe, is timely for us with so many opposing opinions in our world today. Peace Seems like a pipe dream today, doesn't it? With everything that's going on in our world. All the evil and the darkness and the tension and the anger and the dissension that's going on. It seems right now to have any type of a peace is this idealistic um, theory of having it. It's tough, isn't it, to have peace or to experience peace in the midst of all this trouble in our world, all these question marks and so much dissension that we experience. And yet, and yet, it offers us this amazing, unique opportunity to learn and to display true, unshakable peace in our life. Think of it this way. Your response, your response to the pressures of this world, to the tensions of this world, to the varying opinions of this world, to the troubles of this world, will reveal where you find your peace. Think about that for a moment. Your response to the pressures of this world, it will reveal where you find your peace. Peace. So, it begs the question, where do you find your peace currently? Be honest about it. I'm not looking for that typical Jesus bear answer that you hear in, in church a lot, and you're probably thinking, Jesus bear answer? It's this analogy where, you know, you're in a Sunday school, classroom, you're teaching and you're asking kids, what is big and black has, you know, claws and, and can climb trees? And the little kid puts up his hand and says, Jesus, you think, <laughs> right? You're in the church setting, so you can't go wrong with Jesus, right? Where do you find your peace? If you're a Christ follower, I hope, you would find your source of peace through God's word and in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But how you handle these pressures, these troubles, it will show something about who you are and what's important to you as well. Do you look for peace in a person or maybe a place or even a thing? Or is Christ the source of your peace? I love how chapter 14 concludes, because while we grumble and while we complain that these are difficult times that we are experiencing, Jesus knows what it's like, and, actually, and he can actually relate to difficult times. Jesus knows what it's like, because in the next couple of hours, Jesus will be arrested. The disciples, they will run for their lives. And in the next morning, Jesus will be nailed to a tree. And in all of that, Jesus offers us peace, even through, even though our circumstances are not always peaceful. It's that peace that we read about, you know, the peace that surpasses all understanding, right? You're in, in, in a non peaceful situation, and there's still the, the opportunity, the ability, and the accessibility to experience and encounter peace. And that comes, from, that comes from God. And the disciples, they just can't understand why Jesus is going to leave them. They had a, this good deal going, and they just still, they don't get why Jesus has to leave And so Jesus, what he does here is he illuminates this pathway to peace. And he says this in chapter 14, starting in verse 25. He says, all of this I have spoken while still with you. And he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. If I were trying to summarize this closing passage here in chapter 14, I think Jesus is trying to drive home one concept to his followers, and it's simply this. The Holy Spirit can bring you peace. The Holy Spirit can bring you peace. And this is the overarching theme that we will hold on to and that the Holy Spirit will teach the disciples and also remind them of the things that Jesus has already taught them. In fact, a little bit later on, um, in this very same conversation, in chapter 16, Jesus will say this to them. He says, I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I go away. If I do not go, he says, the helper will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And I love this passage. He's saying this. He's saying that the Holy Spirit can bring you peace. Jesus is saying it's better for you that I actually go. It's to your advantage that I leave you. And you might be thinking, and the disciples definitely were thinking, how? How in the world is this even better? How can that be better for them that Jesus is not even present with them anymore? Well, think of it this way. During Christ's earthly ministry in the flesh, he was regulated to being in one place at one time. But when the Spirit comes... Jesus can be in the lives of millions of people at the exact same time. That's just awesome, don't you think? Jesus says to his disciples, the Holy Spirit is coming. And he says to us, the Holy Spirit has come. And right here, and right now, the pathway of peace is accessible to you regardless of what you might be going through right now. So let's talk about this pathway to peace. And it leads us to our first signpost along this path. It will mark our path to peace. You know, these are necessarily, these are really the steps. These are the markers. These are the signposts that gives you the direction along the path where you can get to your final destination of peace, right? Think of it as you driving. You look for these signposts to give you direction to get to your final destination. The first signpost in this pathway to peace is this. Listen to the Holy Spirit. That's your first signpost here. Listen to the Holy Spirit. I know it really sounds obvious. You probably think, wow, Bill. Thanks for that super insightful gem there. But it's good for us to hear, right? It's good for us to be reminded of that. It's this listen to the Spirit. The Spirit wants to use you to bring peace into the lives of those who don't have this peace. Maybe you are the person who he is going to use to maybe have a conversation with someone. And the question is, will you let him, by listening and obeying his voice, will you partner with him in bringing hope to the hopeless and peace to the restless? Will you partner with him in that? you do realize it, does, it doesn't do any good if God sends the Holy Spirit and we actually don't recognize him or even listen to what he says. Earlier in, God, in John's gospel, in chapter 10, Jesus draws this comparison with the shepherd and with himself. And he says this, he says, He goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. In other words, they recognize it. And it's a proven fact that sheep will follow the shepherd's voice. Do you want to recognize his voice? The question is, do you even recognize his voice? There are a lot of different voices that are speaking at you. Can you, if you were in a room full of people... Everyone's speaking and Jesus is there and speaking to you. Would you recognize his voice in the midst of all the other voices that you're hearing? And if you're not, again, it goes kind of back to the call last week. It's time to grow up. It's time to dive into his word because it's through his word and it's through prayer that you will get to know the sound of his voice in your life, I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be this audible voice, but you're going to recognize this voice. Do you recognize Jesus' voice over the voice of the enemy? I hope you do. Do you, want it to, do you want it to stand out from all the other voices, from the diversions and the distractions which are begging for your attention and your allegiance? Will Jesus' voice, will the Spirit's voice stand out? from all those other ones. Then draw closer to God. Grow closer to God through His Word, through His people, through prayer. And if you do that, and as you do that, you will be able to recognize His voice, that His voice will become recognizable and familiar to you. So on this pathway to peace, if that's something you desire, and I... And I'm sure all of us desire peace. It begins with listening to the Spirit. It begins with you able to recognize His voice as He speaks to you. And the question becomes, do you recognize it? And if you don't recognize Him, then you need to start that work. So that voice becomes familiar to you. So on this pathway to peace, we want to. And it's a must, and we need to listen to the Spirit. The second signpost, and it actually kind of connects with the very first one. It's this, it's accept what Jesus offers. Accept what Jesus offers. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 27 in chapter 14. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's just take a minute with this verse here. And let's kind of go in reverse order of what this verse is saying. And once again, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, he says. He's going to keep driving that theme and reinforcing that because you're going to need his assurance in all this. He lets them know what he's going to give them is different than what the world is going to give them. You see, we need to understand back then, while Jesus is making this claim, back then peace was a commodity that every leadership structure uh, tried to promise, and they promised it if the subjects submitted to their authority. But what Jesus is promising here. It's very different from the world. He's not saying, you experience my peace um, by submitting to me. Essentially, what he's saying is, you will, it's peace. You will experience peace mainly and simply through his presence. It's peace through his presence. It's real. It's genuine. It's eternal. It goes deeper than any of our circumstances. So on this pathway, we need to actually accept what the Spirit offers. Accept what Jesus is offering to us. And again, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And that's so cool, isn't it? That that's the peace that we need. This verse, I think, can lose a little something, though. As cool as it is, it does lose something in the translation to the English, where it says, peace I leave with you. In essence, the wording is literally this. This is what I bequeath to you. It's literally what Jesus is saying here. This is what I bequeath to you. And You might be thinking, well, that's kind of a fancy or solemn word. Why would Jesus even talk like this? I bequeath unto you. I'll tell you why. Because he knows that in about 18 hours, he will be dead. So he says, this is what I want to leave you because you're going to need it. Now think about this in an earthly sense, right? What did Jesus have to bequeath? What did he have to actually pass on to his disciples? from an earthly sense. He didn't have a house. Definitely didn't have a financial portfolio. Um, He didn't have like a closet full of high-end clothing. He didn't have this garage full of cars that he could pass on. From an earthly perspective, he didn't have the prestige or the clout to pass on anything. So, what is the one thing that Jesus could bequeath to his followers? Peace. Peace. He says, peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. And it's not as the world gives. See, this type of peace that he is offering and leaving is the peace that comes through the Spirit. It is this kind of peace that will get him through a wrongful arrest, false charges about six different trials happening in a morning, torture, flogging, insults, mocking, It's a type of peace that comes from the Spirit that will empower him, Jesus, to actually stay up on that cross even though he actually has the power to come down from that cross. That's the type of peace that we're talking about. The type of peace that empowered him to stay up on that cross even though he had the power to come off it. So just hours prior to all of that, the one thing he knows that they will desperately need is the one thing that he generously offers. He bequeathed them peace. And ironically, though, what the disciples needed at that time is the very thing we need right now today in 2023. It's not a larger dose of NyQuil or even a dose of quill so that we can escape and forget about all that we may be enduring right now. But instead, Jesus offers us something that has staying power and is greater than our circumstances and has the ability to actually unite a divided country and a divided world. He offers us his peace. And he continues on. He says, you heard me say, I'm going away. And I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I have told you now before it even happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe it. So again, Jesus is reminding them, and he's saying to them, I'm going to leave. But I'm going to come back, he says. He's saying to the disciples in this veiled language that when he comes back from the grave, you will remember this conversation that we're having right now. And when you do, your trust and your peace will soar to a whole new level in your life. And I love the final verses here in this chapter. He says, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of the world is coming. He has no hold over me though but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Satan, just if you just if you're curious, is the prince of the world that Jesus is referring to here. But Jesus lets the disciples know. He says, "Make no mistake about it. He, this prince of the this world has no power over me whatsoever." He is not taking my life, I instead am giving my life willingly so that you could experience the presence of the spirit. So Jesus is going to be obedient and he's going to show his love through his obedience to his father's will. So we're seeing these signposts giving us direction to our final destination so we can reach our final destination of peace. Number 1 is you need to listen. You need to listen to the Spirit. His voice needs to be familiar and recognizable to you. You also need to accept what Jesus is offering you. Here, he's offering his peace, right? But you need to accept all that he offers you. And quickly, there's one more signpost. And it's more of a reminder to us, kind of what we've been talking about as this underlining theme over the past couple of weeks is this. You are not alone. You are not alone. And again, some of you need to hear that today again. You need to be reminded that you're not alone. And the importance of being part of something that's bigger than you, part of a community, because we need each other. We are better and stronger together. If you try to do this alone, you won't experience the power of this community. And he's reminding us, you're not alone. So stop acting like it, stop living like it, and start figuring out how you can join other people and have that connection. Because he, Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5.8, he says this, be alert and sober-minded. He goes on and says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's a reminder to us of the importance of not being alone. Um, I remember once seeing um, probably National Geographic or something um, they were kind of filming some you know a pride of lions and you know they were focused on this one lion you know this is the king of the jungle right this is one of the most fierce animals that roam the world right There's a reason why lions are called the king of the jungle. Not very many can compete with them or challenge them on that pecking order. And I remember seeing this documentary and seeing um, all of a sudden this lion crouch down. And and as that did that, the camera kind of, you know, the people that were kind of filming was like wondering why did this lion all of a sudden crouch down? Like it was like, a, not a defensive move, it was an offensive move. It was like they were, you know, hiding in the grass ready to pounce on something. And the camera pans and sees this water buffalo, this big water buffalo, sauntering, walking right right towards it, right for it, oblivious of not understanding or seeing or noticing the lying at all. And it's, and it's just walking nonchalantly right towards the lion. And then it stops. You know, these people saying, well, this water buffalo's day is just going to end pretty rough. And and the water buffalo kind of stops. And because it it finally senses this lion. And the lion is kind of doing its thing of, of trying to pick it off and finding its best way to pounce on it. And the strange thing is this. You would think the water buffalo or any animal, once they sense or see the line, they would turn around and walk away. But this water buffalo just stood still. It didn't to me, it, maybe it just stood still because it was frozen in fear, didn't know what to do. But then, it's, but then it, panning back to the line, it noticed that the lion was all of a sudden moving about and actually got up and kind of ran off. And you' probably think,, oh, how does this one water buffalo? Intimidate a lion. Camera pans back, and the guy's like, Well, as you notice, two other water buffaloes walk out of the bush and join his friend. And the lion knows, I gotta leave. The lion knows, I can take on one, no problem. I can pounce on this water buffalo, and I'm having a good meal, and my pride's having a good meal for days to come. But the lion also knows if he is joined with his friends, two other big water buffaloes, the lion knows he has no chance of overpowering this one lone water buffalo because the water buffalo is not alone. If you think that by yourself you are strong enough to face off against Satan, you are sadly mistaken. He is like that lion Crouching in the grass, ready to pounce, ready to devour anyone who's alone. Because Satan knows I can overpower that person. But if you have two friends that come out of the bush and are with you, the enemy knows he can't. And this is a good reminder that you are not alone. Don't act like it. Don't live like it. Make sure you're intentional to walk your life with other Christians in your life. Here's the thing. Satan will wreak havoc in your life. He will try and steal your family and rob you of your peace. And all of you, you need to listen to me at this moment. It's easier for Satan to take you down or to pick you off if you are alone. But if you have two or three Christian friends who you do life with, I mean you do life with, you check in with one another. Then it becomes more difficult and daunting for the devil to devour that person. Here's what I'm saying. It's easier to walk in the spirit when there are others beside you. There's power in numbers. That's why I keep on saying we are better and stronger together. We need each other way more than we think we need each other. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from me. But you remember what our guide, what Jesus says in Matthew 18 20? He says, For where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them. There I am with them. See, God created us in community and for community. So find another water buffalo. Reach out to a Christian friend. Get involved in one of our prayer gatherings or one of our Bible studies when they, start, when they start up again in the fall. You need to have a group of people that you can do life with. I don't mean just showing up to like prayer meeting, just showing up to Bible study and so you can check it off. List. I mean, you show up wanting and being intentional to do life with them. You need to have a group of people to do life with. And if you do, it's transformative for you. And in the midst of your storms, God can use other people and he will use his spirit to bring calm and peace to your situation. Here's the reality. The pathway to peace isn't always peaceful. It isn't. But if you stay on this course... It's, it ultimately will lead you to peace, to God's peace, to this lasting peace. You see, contrary to popular opinion, lasting peace cannot come from meditation or medication. But at the cross, there was a mediation which took place on your behalf. When the perfect son of God removed our biggest obstacle for experiencing peace, and that obstacle was sin. And we're reminded about that as Paul writes in Romans 5, he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I realize that maybe the majority of us here today, you are already Christians. And yet, you know that at times you still try to let your circumstances determine your level of peace in in your life, rather than allowing your faith in the unchanging God to dictate your direction and provide your peace. You see, it's time. It's time for you to claim your inheritance and to walk in peace and confidence with the Spirit of God who lives within you. This pathway to peace is accessible to you in and through Jesus Christ. The question is, are you going to walk it? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for how you provide this pathway to peace and it's accessible to all of us who claim Jesus as Lord and Savior in our life. Thank you for these signposts that you give to us so we can walk this pathway and get to that final des- destination of peace. Sometimes we might get past the sign- first signpost and then we take a detour or we, we take another exit. Lord, help us to main, to stay on this pathway that you've provided for us and allow us to continue to move forward so we can experience this lasting, deep peace that comes from you. Thank you that you offer this to us generously. And I pray we accept it and we walk this pathway, Lord. And as we walk this pathway, Lord, we can bring other people along along for the journey so they too can experience that peace that can be made available to them. Help us, Lord, as you continue to direct us and provide this way forward for us. We pray this in your name, amen.